Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode. I am so happy to be here. Today, it's been sunny all day, and it's been the warmest day this spring so far. It's a gorgeous day in Paris. It's been the first, I was going to say the first really nice day, but there's been a bunch of really beautiful, gorgeous, sunny days. It feels like it's taken so long for spring slash summer to be here. Plus, it's my first spring back in the northern hemisphere. So it's also a really interesting experience for me. Well, it's my first one in a in a in a long time and probably like four years. So I'm just really grateful and happy to be here. I'm just feeling really, really good and I'm loving life right now. It is seven almost eight PM and it's so bright. It's so bright, so sunny, so warm. My windows are open. As you know, I record this in my room and I have my, all my equipment here and it's kind of relatively chill. Um, so if you hear any noises, which I hope there's not, but if you hear anything, well, you know that my window is open because it's really warm and it's just a beautiful weather and I'm really happy and I want that to come through this episode. So I hope you've had a wonderful week so far. I hope that you have enjoyed the weather if it's nice, if it's getting warmer where you're at. And if it's not, I really hope that you're navigating that with grace, as gracefully as possible. It's at the moment kind of a tricky time for people living in the Southern Hemisphere because it's the full-on transition of decent weather turning into really cold weather. So I do remember at this time of the year, I would start getting my seasonal depression. And it's really tough. It's really, really tough to ma- to navigate. I've been even noticing that since it's getting warmer, I'm getting less hungry. So something as simple as the basic needs is like how long we sleep, when we wake up, what we're craving, what we're eating, all those really basic need situations truly align with the weather and with the season. So that just really speaks for our body's wisdom to self-regulate and to um, and the impact that the season has on our bodies. So I find that fascinating and I'm just feeling happier. <laughs> I'm so happy that it's finally getting sunny and warm um, because it's been a really rough and long winter. Oh my goodness, it's been so long. Today, like every single time that we come here, I'm going to talk about something that I'm very passionate about, especially way beyond being very passionate about it. I think it's something that I just wish I knew earlier in life. And it's something that came to my mind because I had a really good conversation with someone about this only a couple of days ago. And that kind of like activated in my mind something like, I need to talk to, I need to talk about this. I need to talk more about it. And it made me realize things that I didn't really know that I knew or that I had learned the tough way. And it made me very grateful <laughs> to not be in 
those positions anymore or to have gained some knowledge. So today we're going to be talking about we what we attract, <laughs> pretty much. We are what we attract, relationship edition. It's always really fun talking about relationships. And today we're not going to be exclusively tackling romantic relationships, but it's going to be relationships in general. However, romantic relationships do have a great presence here. So it's going to be that as a whole. I tend to kind of sometimes feel like it's very nuanced to kind of approach relationships as a whole rather than just saying, oh, platonic or friendship relationships and then romantic. I feel like sometimes it's useful treating relationships as a whole because I feel like even though romantic relationships are a lot of work and um, are a great way of very deeply knowing ourselves through other person and by vice versa and all of that. I also believe that other relationships are also full of learning curves, learning experience, joy, love, pain. So that's why I decided to encapsulate the whole relationship idea in this episode. So we're tackling friendship, acquaintances, sort of romantic, and all those things that we can't really label. (laughs) Um, And also, I'm offering some journaling prompts for you. Some journaling prompts that can, can help you reflect after you listen to this episode and hopefully spark some thought, um, some reflection. It's always the main intent of this show. It's just sharing ideas that I have personally navigated or explored or I'm still willing to explore. And it's kind of a giant prompt for you to think of your own definition of what I talk about or your own experience. So we are dividing this episode on two parts. First, we're going to talk about attracting from lack, from a place of lacking, from a place of fear, grief. And then we're going to be talking about attracting from a higher place. Remember that if you like the content of this podcast, you can support it by going onto the Patreon where we have different offerings for each subscription pack and it's a great way of supporting this um, because I do a lot of things on the side and it fully like all the time and all the energy that I dedicate to this podcast is fully on my own it's fully done um, (laughs) by yours truly so it's support is always greatly appreciated and if it's not available for you if it's not something that you can do financially also sharing the podcast is an amazing thing to see around and it's also a way of supporting the content so getting into it just let's just jump straight into the topic so we have these two scenarios that I want to talk about today attracting from 
In this case, we're talking about people, about relationships. So we're going to be talking about attracting from a place of lacking and attracting from a place, a higher place of abundance, of love. And I encountered these ideas, not just personal experience, but I've dedicated many years to study philosophies of, I'm just really fascinated by philosophies of the East, um, philosophies that have been around for millennia and have have been studying the mind and our emotions linked to that and consciousness and all of that. So even if this sounds like pseudoscience or something that is really trendy at the moment and it's something that, you know, has really weird connotations right now I think it's important to remember and give credit to the place where this wisdom actually comes from and that's from the east I get a lot of inspiration of everything I talk about in here from the east from philosophies that in that explore the our connection with ourselves with others with nature and also how to develop consciousness and how to live more consciously so this comes from that place and I just want to talk about some of those learnings. So this conversation that I had the other day started when I was seeing myself on someone who was telling me a little bit of their story. This person was telling me that they just fall in love instantly with people, right? That it doesn't really matter how long they've known someone, they just fall in love and they put, as some would say, all their eggs in one basket there's um, this component of hope and um, projecting fantasies and ideas and, you know, all those good things. And we kind of like become somewhat obsessed. I saw myself in this person um, back in time. I used to fall in love so much and so often. My friends used to make fun of me because it was just something so common that would happen. Like I would generally just like step like go into a room and see someone have a little conversation with them and just fall in love. And I'm sure that's not just because I'm a cancer, (laughs) but that's also because I genuinely just fell in love every five minutes. Like truly, like if I had a crush, it was not just like a chill crush. It was like a full on thing. Me projecting like my future life with them, like imagining imagining scenarios you know like sharing an entire life like it was like that kind of intensity so my when I started uh getting into romantic relationships my first relationships um have always been were really intense um I've always been a very deep person in the sense of like I've always enjoyed having conversation and kind of like transcending the superficial level of connecting with someone just because you like how they look you like how they sound like you like whatever I've always really liked getting kind of to know someone on a deeper level but I think it was just way too much like it was really intense the way I fell in love like it was just something that always shocked me and it was no surprise that I was having really brief relationships but very intense 
really, really intense relationships. And it was not just because I was a teenager or I was a young adult and I was young. It was truly because I was carrying this hole inside of me and someone was filling, was seeming to fill it up real quick and but then it just didn't you know just didn't last it didn't match and then it just I just kept carrying this thing and um and yeah it was just um an interesting approach and I always wondered I was like I I wonder how people who don't like fall in love this quickly like do it you know how do they go around life like I thought that it was just about me being a really deep and sensitive person but um I know that this is not all circumstances and I'm all for, you know, feel your emotions, sit, sit with your emotions. There's nothing wrong with being sense, you know, all of these things. But I think like it's just very unsustainable carrying this massive hole, expecting a rela- uh, a romantic relationship to fill this void, right? I think we grow up hearing the narrative of find your find your half orange apple (laughs) I was gonna say apple find your other half and you know if you're a girl you should find a boy you know and he should look like this and then if you're a girl you should look like this so that you find someone who looks like this and you get together and you spend your lives together like we grow up programmed to first of all feel like we're lacking okay feel like we inherently need to find someone else And on top of that, we are programmed to look a certain way and to look for certain things in someone, you know, like we are already looking at aspects of someone's personality or physicality or anything in a polarized manner, you know, like we have good, we have bad, we have the binaries, right? We have what a female should be like and what a male is like, you know, we have all of these criteria, So I think it's no wonder why many people feel very unfulfilled when it comes to their relationships. Also when it comes to themselves, you know, I think it's really tough growing up in a culture that heavily encourages this while at the same time puts so much pressure on women, especially. I think as women is really tough navigating this thing of like, it's inherently, you know, it's like about questioning everything about you, you know, about like your, the way you present yourself to the world, about your identity, plus then, you know, um, navigating either being single or being in a relationship, what relationship model you are into, you know, if you're open to experimenting, if you're not, if all of these things, like it's just a really complex conversation and I think it's really really delicate and could be very damaging um you know the the way in which we are programmed since we're little and if we don't question that it just gets really tough and also if we question this it's really really painful because you realize you're like well am I doing this because I've been programmed to or because I actually want to you know so it's like a whole dilemma it's a whole ambivalence and this is a whole other conversation which if you're ready to I would encourage you to have or you know like I wish you luck I wish you the best but if you don't want to if you don't want to look at it that's also absolutely fine you know when it comes to these things it's 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 rooted in a very personal level However, I was reflecting 
And I had always asked myself, I was like, why do I fall in love like instantly? Like, what is this for? What is this about? You know? So I used to be, yeah, fall in love instantly with everybody. I used to be so attracted to a certain kind of person. I used to be attracting also very similar people. Like, I'm not even joking. I had the same relationship, okay, with different people, same situation, same issues, same points of connection with easily four people, different eras, different times of my life, but it was the same conditions, same situation. And you know what? We've heard about this a thousand times. You know, it's like if it's so repeated, if you know, if it's always happening to you, it's probably you. And I'm not just pointing at the issue here because, you know, it could be negative or positive experiences. I'm talking in general, you know, if it's kind of like a trend, if it looks like, if it seems like it's a trend, like a style, yeah, it's probably what you're attracting. So I find that really, I find that, I find the concept fascinating of, you know, you're, you are what you attract. It sounds kind of mystical, but in a way I find that it's very, it makes a lot of sense. It's very coherent and it's, and it's, it could be really easy proving that on the most superficial and physical way without having to get into in depth with like the fact of like whether you, you know, whether you actually believe in the quantum field, even if it's been scientifically proven, you can believe in it or you cannot, you know, it could, you could think that that exists. You could think that it doesn't that's fine. I don't really care if you don't believe in it or you do. I personally do, but I think it's really easy to prove this thing of what you are, what you attract simply because I, you know, it's really simple to see, to look at people, you know, like your friend group, look at your friend group. Sometimes you see people who like, you know, dress alike, dress similarly, you know, like their Instagrams, like, you know, have like a similar style, similar, you know, quote unquote aesthetic, you know, it's like something as superficial as that shows how your environment not just influences you, but like how you in some manner fit with your environment, right? So the, the people that we encounter and the people that we choose deliberately or unconsciously really project those values that we externalize, right? So we're somewhat attracting these people into our lives. Um, I find also, I was, I was thinking this morning, I was on the metro and I was thinking, I was like, this makes a lot of sense. Like, just think about culture, you know, like culture, we all, you know, we learn a language and we have an accent and we like similar food and, you know, like culture, it's the best example of, this thing of, you know, feeling aligned to what we project or feeling a certain attraction towards something else, a collective attraction, you know. So it's really interesting for me to think about these things without necessarily jumping straight into or associating it with something spiritual or something intangible, which could be really hard for some people to to imagine. Um, but I was thinking about how easy it is to think of, you know, of of that of the you are what you attract sort of thing looking at simple things like culture or friend groups or online communities or things <laughs> around those lines 
Um, and I have found myself attracting people and attracting groups of, you know, just like social circles from a place of lack, a place of lack where I feel like I need someone, you know, like I can't really be alone. So I need someone like I don't want to be alone. I can't be seen alone. Oh my goodness. No. Otherwise I would be kind of like a failure or, oh, how sad I'm alone, you know? So that's that kind of vibe. So I have surrounded myself with people from a place of from a lower place, you know, of fear and grief and fear, fear, grief, fear. Yeah. But you know, fear and funny enough, all those relationships, like you can think about this, you can test it out on your personal life and ask yourself, how sustainable are those relationships? You know, like have they crumbled? Have they lasted? If they have lasted, how do they make you feel every once in a while when you interact with them? Or maybe you're already way too used to that, that you can't really see a difference. But think about that and kind of evaluate that. Because on a personal level, I I just had so many friend groups. I've, I ha- I've had many different friend groups over the past few years. When I was initially living abroad and I was kind of scared of being alone and I for by no means wanted to be in my solitude I I would just honestly hang out and do things and go out sometimes against my own will against my own comfort just to be part of a group which is so normal and so human right humans were pack animals were ingrained to have our group, our tribe. So we naturally, um, um, yeah, just, (laughs) we, we naturally are drawn to other groups of people. However, I think when we're conscious creatures as well, you know, we have a consciousness and we can choose. So I think it's really interesting looking at the places we choose from and the quality of those connections. Because I was thinking and reflecting while I was having this conversation and I was like, oh my goodness, like honestly, I've had so many different eras and each of those eras was like a different place of consciousness that I had. Like in some areas, I was just like, you know, lacking awareness around what made me feel good. I was, you know, like lacking um, self-acceptance or I was more, I had more fear, you know, towards being alone, etc. So those relationships for some reason are not around me anymore. And I have way less friends and I've had way less meaningful relationships, but they feel like they have been more sustainable and they have been more grounded and just more quality in the connection were, in moments when I've connected with someone out of genuine, you know, common interests, passions, out of not wanting, out of, for example, not wanting to be, hmm, how can I say this, <laughs> of choosing someone not because you don't want to be alone or not because you don't want to be seen as a loner, but because you want to, you know, I think it's really different. And so I think that also we are taught to fear being alone you know like we are taught to see people who are hanging out with themselves (laughs) spending time by by their own kind of as like to 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 feel pity in some way you know so 
I remember that those connections that initially made me feel so miserable because there was either not really like a deeper thing connecting us or you know I was not even really enjoying activities we were doing or if it was a relationship I was not even feeling understood or seen or held it's because I generally maybe was just with those people because I was fearing and I was in a place of lack and for some reason all those relationships have felt the same way have ended quite a you know just kind of like out of nowhere so have not really been sustainable and made me feel just drained me drained me a lot and didn't really just inspire me to feel really comfortable and just be fully me I don't know um so yeah I think it's really interesting analyzing and thinking of especially when you're young I think when you're like in your in your 20s I can't speak for your 30s or 40s, but, you know, but I can imagine it's just life, you know, that just keeps going and evolving and changing and we keep changing. But, you know, in our 20s, like we don't know truly anything like we're we barely know things about ourselves. We're discovering ourselves. We're discovering the people we want around us. We're discovering so many things and questioning and aligning our values and detaching from a few things. So I think it's a time when we inherently have potentially more changes more more eras more different eras within a year or within five years you know I feel like I've been like no joke 20 different people in like the past four years (laughs) since I turned 20 I'm 24 now so like for the past four years I truly feel like I've had like 20 eras or more you know it's truly fascinating to think how much we change and how and 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 thinking what does change and what doesn't you know so if you somewhat can find a trend when it comes to the people that you have been with when it comes to your friends when it comes to the places that you like to go to when it comes to the way that you feel around certain people certain environments that says something and I think we should listen to it Some people are really intuitive. Most of us are, but since we're not really used to using our intuition, we just kind of don't really listen to it. But I think our body knows really well and we know really well when something is truly aligned to us. And I think that it's social, you know, like romantic relationships and any kind of relationship is a great way of testing our intuition and our inner wisdom, you know, when it comes to looking at how observing how comfortable we feel and how understood and held we feel. I think we always know. However, we love denying it and we just love putting excuse, making up excuses and, you know, kind of not really looking at things objectively. With that being said, it's also really hard to look at these things with a lens of yes no black white good bad you know like I think it's not worth putting a label on things you know especially moralizing like you know this is a good person this is a bad person I think it's we look at people through the lens of how we see things and how we are so the second point that I want to touch here is our projections we project so much to the outer world so much 
I'm going to put the 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 classic example that this is once again not like a woo woo hippy dippy thing of projecting, but it's something that just truly happens. You know, like think of artists. You know, you have an image in your mind. They have their vision of the world. What do they do through a medium? that which could be a canvas and paint and art tools they create something right that is reflecting their minds what's in their mind how they see the world I think art is the greatest example of how we project and how we uh, bring a physicality to the things in our mind you know I think it's the bridge in between the tangible and the intangible world and I find that fascinating and I that's why I love art and it's my life and you know whatever you want to anyway um but yeah I think it's fascinating so I do believe that we're projecting all the time absolutely all the time and the risk with projecting all the time is that most of the projections that we uh most of the things that we project are unconscious and sometimes we're attracting the same kind of people because we're projecting either the same fantasies in this case when I was talking about me falling in love all the time, I was just projecting the same expectations that I had on people onto one person. And even if they were a completely different person, completely different background, completely different nationality, language, childhood, whatever, I was facing the same issues. I was feeling the same way. I was da 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 doing, you know, experimenting kind of a similar experience because I was projecting a certain thing. And sometimes we look at people and we interact with people the way that we project onto them without, first of all, realizing, second of all, without really actually connecting with the person. So I feel like sometimes our projections get on our way and prevent us from having a genuine a more genuine interaction or connection or relationship with someone. And they also prevent us from really seeing what we are attracting because many times this is an unconscious and very quick process. So I think that it's really interesting also looking at the things we, once again, through observe, through observation, you know, looking at the things that we expect of the people around us, thinking of the of the things that initially attracted us to the person or the group of people that we surround ourselves with that we have, whether unconsciously or fully consciously chosen. So I find the projection uh, process so interesting and fascinating because it applies on all levels. You know, like we could be projecting and we could look at it from the most spiritual and and tangible way possible, and we could also be looking at it in the way of like of of its fat physicality at, at its peak you know like some people speak of having a type some people speak of liking a certain kind of person certain archetypes certain stereotypes and I think that kind of links to this idea of our projections of kind of like attracting a certain kind of person or group of people or circumstance because of what we put out into the world you know I think online communities are a really great example or you know just how social media operates we follow people online because we like what they put out you know we like the facade of their of their persona you know we know that uh social media it's not the full picture however we know we we we're attracted to the facades and we're attracted to what they put out and that's why we follow people and that's why we're we're so invested in social media 
So I think that the whole projection factor is so tied to the type of relationships that we build and their outcomes. I think it's so interesting to think of all the energy and all the time and all the love that we project onto someone and how that's whether received or not really received or not reciprocated or reciprocated. You know, I think I think it's really interesting looking at how those things really have a presence in our relationships and our connections. So still on the first scenario of attracting from a place of lack, I remember just projecting all these things on the people that I was falling in love with, all these things on the people that I was hanging out with and I was looking at friends. I've talked about my relationship with the concept of friendship and the concept of having a friend group and the struggle to keep up with it and just having expectations about, you know, having a group of friends and going out to parties and having a having a group of friends that would be for, you know, for everything, parties, um, cultural things, uh, artistic things, um, deeper things like, you know, supporting me emotionally and supporting me, da, 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 you know, like all these expectations are things that we directly project onto someone or a group. And they're things that have, that directly come ingrained um, having ingrained in us from the media that we've consumed, from the things that our parents uh, have taught us, from the culture that we come from, from all the inner, whatever, from everything. So I think that when we attract from a place of lack, from a place of grief, from a place of loss, from this, from a place that feels like we are in need of this which we are we truly are in the need of social connections and we we not just deserve that we need it it's part of life but when we are from kind of like when we're holding this hole that we feel like one person is going to fulfill and we're holding all these expectations that we kind of assume that someone is going to take as a task to fulfill I think that's when there's sort of like even a miscommunication issue. I think that's when things get a little messy because I feel like projections are so personal that we somehow expect people to understand them as well and to be something so universal when in reality it's something very intimate, very private to think of our projections and our expectations and others. Um, I do believe, though, that we need to communicate those and we should always have expectations, you know, like the basic ex- expectations of connecting with someone, you know, respect and 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 love and, you know, all of that. But speaking from in the position of, you know, attracting from a place of lack, I think that we attribute way more of this task and this list of expectations to one person you know we expect to put all the eggs in one basket and to see um you know something that we have dreamed of coming out of that and and I don't know how sustainable that is um so I think that that also could lead to creating emotional dependence with someone or you know falling really quickly for someone and without being 
I hate saying the word realistic enough. (laughs) The word's realistic enough. But the concept of just, you know, projecting your fantasies, for example, onto someone without really getting to know them as a person is somewhat also taking away the factor of authenticity to the person and it's not allowing them to step in their truth or to share who they are as a person because we've already assigned them a role we've already assigned them an image expectations and we've been projecting onto them so many times we connect with people not because the way that we feel around them or because the way they actually are but we connect with them because of first of all a place of a little bit of a little bit of a selfish place we don't even allow them to be themselves or you know to put I don't know to really show their show their true colors but also from this place of like oh I need to be fulfilled and I don't want to be alone like I I I you know it's like about my needs so you know I need you know like I need to have this um to have this you know this needs to be mine or you know this you know I think this is this is the moment when we could create some sort of emotional codependence onto someone and I'm saying this from personal experience I think that we've all heard of relationships and probably we've all experienced uh, relationships whether that's friendship or any other sort of situation where we are just kind of addicted to maybe not the healthiest relationship and that's we know that that's maybe hurting us or we maybe know that that's not really respecting our place in the world or what we stand for however when we kind of like is stimulated enough it becomes addictive because biologically we tend to get addicted to things that liberate dopamine and adrenaline and you know all those happy brain chemicals that our brain absolutely loves and it's always seeking and we are motivated for so there's even a science for the relationships that are not the healthiest for us and there's a reason why they're so hard to get through and they're so hard to stop let's say attracting or to um, break free from you know, because if we're used to them enough, it's really hard to step away from that because they become an unconscious thing that we attract, an unconscious thing that we nourish, and an unconscious thing that comes our way and we accept and we, you know, not really choose. We take in because it's in front of us, you know? So I find that really interesting and I think Attracting from a place of lack is something that happens in many areas of our lives. I am talking about relationships today because it's by itself a very long, it's like a whole conversation and I would love to keep exploring other areas of our lives. But I think that in relationships, it's, it's just really interesting and fascinating how it correlates with so much that has to do with a relationship with ourselves and our inner worlds. So I want to talk about now, now I want to talk about my learnings around this because as I was having this 
conversation a couple of days ago, this person was telling me, you know, like, kind of like, this is my fate. I can't really escape it. It's just me. I suck at love. I hate love. All these things. And I'm like, there's no need to say that you hate love or, the, or that you suck at love. I've talked about, I talk about this all the time, I feel, but like truly, I think that the worst thing that we've, one of, one of the feet, one of the worst things that we've done is just label romantic, um, romantic experiences as the one form of love. I think love takes so many shapes and forms and colors and everything that I don't think there's, I don't think anybody is inherently bad at love. I don't, I think everybody deserves to be loved. I loved, I think everybody has at least once in their lifetime, even if it's been for an hour, for a minute, for whatever, everybody has felt loved and held. And I think that it's in our nature truly. And I think that I do believe that we can attract from a place of love and I would not be here saying all of this if I had never experienced both ends of the spectrum. I know that I'm like, you know, it's really hard labeling as good or bad, black, white. It's really hard to stay nuanced at the same time. So I can say that I've experienced very, very low moments of that have come from places of lack, from places of grief of fear and I've also experienced moments people eras where I have I have stood on more consciousness and I have felt more I've just felt more held by my social environment um and it feels like it's actually driven by love and it feels healthy and it feels like it nourishes you the more you nourish that. I think that's amazing because sometimes I think a great way of, you know, of knowing if your environment or your relationship is nourishing you or is good for you is asking yourself or feeling how you feel when you put effort and energy towards it. You know, if you feel drained, if you feel seen, if you feel held, if you feel misunderstood, if you feel understood, I think it's it's a fascinating journey, especially because the more honest you become with yourself, the more you can see and the more you can deal with. So I think it's just a work that keeps getting, let's say, more tough. But at the same time, it's something that just keeps getting easier with time because the the more honest you are the easier and quicker you see things and you are able to um, to probably break away from them or change them or at least, you know, consciously choose something, you know? So let's talk about attracting from a place of, from a higher place of love, abundance, um, grace, you know, from a, for just from a higher spot, you know, what happens when we are more grounded when we're holding more consciousness. What happens? You know, can we actually hold consciousness? I don't think so. But, you know, when 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 we feel a little bit better, you know, I think that when we have our our lower seasons, we can definitely feel that affecting many areas of our lives, you know, like and I think that when we have our high seasons, we feel that also affecting many areas of our lives 
So I feel that when it comes to relationships, I, okay, so let's go back in time. I would fall in love instantly with everybody. I would have really intense but brief relationships and they would always either start or end the same way, right? So it was clearly me, the, (laughs) you know, I'm not going to say the issue, but probably the reason why this was happening, right? I was holding this big, uh, um, (laughs) this big hole that I was willing to, to fill with people and to fill, you know, projecting all these desires and needs onto someone. And I was like, yes, this is for me. This is it. You know, this is it. That was not it. Okay. So I think that the moment where I discovered I had this massive epiphany one day when I was really low, I was feeling so low. Okay. Really empty. So I realized that I had this big emptiness that I was like, why am I always trying to fill this with people? Not just with like, you know, a social environment, but like in my case, like romantically, I was like, why am I always like trying to find, you know, like, why am I depending on finding someone to be happy? And why am I always so devastated and so sad when something ends so quickly and abruptly? That's how I realized that it was because I was putting a lot of expectation But I think it's also because I, of course, was um, conditioned to think that, you know, it's part of our task to find that. And it is in a way. But we also have so many other areas that we forget about when we think that we need to fully focus on finding your second half, your other half, your whatever, your other orange half. (laughs) I don't know, you know. And so... I started looking at other areas of my life and the energy that I would put into them and the amount of time and or the lack of time that I the lack of attention mostly that they would that they had you know and I realized that I was projecting all these not just the scarcity and the lack but I was just projecting all these expectations and all these roles because I thought that all the areas of my life that needed attention, that needed love and nourishment were going to be fulfilled by just my relationship or my relationships, you know? It was like expecting other area, like all the other areas to be fulfilled by that. And I think that's why I felt so empty and I was carrying this emptiness with me and I was attracting people and relationships from a place of emptiness and that empty hole (laughs) inside of me even if I if I found someone who had all those you know in my mind who um who I was projecting all these things to onto had all these uh fantasies I was looking at all these fantasies that I had in my head on this person or these people I would never feel fully fulfilled or, um, I don't know, I would always feel empty, you know? And then I discovered that it was because all the areas of my life, the other areas, would not have as much nourishment. I That was back in, the, back in time when I used to think that, yeah, that love was just about romantic love. And not that love was also about my connection with other people, with my friends, with the things that I love, with my passions, with other hobbies with 
my career with life with you know with all these things you know I ha- I had not developed any of these connections I was not having a healthy relationship with myself or my body or my environment so I think that the moment when I had this epiphany I was like I've been looking on the wrong places all this time and I have been so hurt projecting so much and thinking that one person was going to fill the void of all these areas and all these things that I should be nourishing in many other ways, you know? And I think that also when we don't really use all our precious energy and all our precious time towards all the different areas of our lives or all the different um sides of our person of not just our personality but what we are as a person uh our mental spiritual physical health we have so much spare energy so much spare time so what happens when we don't when we're not really using that well we're kind of either using all of that putting all of that once again on one person on our relationship or our social bubble or we're using it on social media or and once again um speaking of social media from a neutral split from a neutral place i'm just saying that we tend to use it not in the most conscious way why because we're not choosing right we just have all this spare time and energy and we're just kind of like throwing it out the window because we don't really know what to do with it you know so i think that the moment that i understood that there were so many areas of my life that i wanted to develop and build a relationship with and bridge and make more tangible is the moment that I can say that every like the relationships that I started attracting in my life just felt healthier and felt more genuine and I started just feeling happier because I was not necessarily prioritizing finding my second half or finding you know a perfect group of friends or holding a specific group of friends or people I I was focusing on I am because <laughs> it's still present time but you know I I was focusing on things that also required my time and energy but that were nourishing other areas of my life and I had I was distributing my energy more evenly and that feels like a balance and that is really weird for people who are used to living on the edge, ups and downs, like on very, very opposite sides of the, like of the spectrum, you know, like me who used to be like, I used to be all or or all or not, all or nothing, you know, like really intense relationships ending really quickly, you know. All these things like to me at first feeling so grounded and starting to feel kind of um, serene and kind of, you know, just really grounded. It was really bizarre to me. It was even boring, right? Because sometimes when we are so used to having these adrenaline rushes and like this, all of these um, chemicals released from our brains because of our addiction to certain emotions that keep us hooked to certain people, certain situations, usually things that cause may cause stress or, you know, cause adrenaline, um, it could feel boring, you know? To me, for the longest time, I, I, was, I, I thought that I, I was the most, I had a really boring life, 
because it's it was starting to get really wholesome <laughs> and because I started feeding other areas of my life and I was like why is this why am I feeling stable out of nowhere what is stability I just didn't know what it was I didn't know what it feel like once again I was kind of like stepping away from you know I was like I you know I, I just didn't know what it was and I was stepping away from these ideas like pre-cooked ideas that I had of love relationship friendship um you know, whatever. So I was like, I genuinely don't know what nourishing my own life, living on my own terms feels like or looks like until I started experiencing that state of, I would even say peace. I I would even say peace. It's so liberating because once you start distributing your energy on things that you choose, things that matter to you and things that you are conscious of it's the moment that you actually start choosing the kind of people that you want to give your time and energy to you know you start choosing from a place not of lack not of fear of being lonely not of fear of being rejected but from a place of okay you know like this is important for me these are my values you know this is what I'm doing on the side or you know whatever it is And then you, since you don't have all the time in the world to be projecting things onto someone, the time and energy that you have left, it's for more meaningful connections because you will start noticing that if you're feeling drained, if you're feeling like shit, it's because probably those people are not really any adding any value to your life. So I can personally say that the moment that I started doing more things with my life, as in like nourishing my goals, nourishing my hobbies, nourishing my time with nature, <laughs> nourishing my time for my, you know, focusing on my mental health, going on my daily walks, you know, going, you know, swimming, um, reading 15 minutes before bedtime, you know, whatever it is, as simple as it is, free, expensive, I don't care what it is that you do, if you nourish more more areas that go beyond those collective expectations that everybody has of us in a way, that's when we start feeling a little bit more grounded. And that's when we start attracting from a different place. (coughs) I remember that I always wanted to hang out with, you know, surround myself with creative people. I remember once I had this realization, I was like, I, I'm not really inspired by my circle. I wish I had friends who did things. Like, I genuinely remember thinking that, you know, like, I remember having, you know, being, sur- like, surrounding myself with people who would just look at, look forward to the weekend to go out, you know, get fucked up and then do nothing. You know, that's, an era in your life that you may have to go through to learn that's something that you might be choosing and that's totally fine however however it was not really working with me I was really sad because I really needed inspiration and I wanted to see myself as someone creative you know as someone who was um doing something different and I was like I don't really have any friends who do this like where do I find these people and the moment that I started doing things to align myself to you know those career goals or that personality those personality traits or those activities those hobbies that's the moment when in those areas in this case let's put an example of creativity or collectivity 
or healthy habits or whatever it is, I started meeting people who were aligned with that. Why? Because I started going to places where these people would go go to. I started um, posting my photos, you know, on Instagram and people would like them and they, you know, like people who did similar things would be like, oh, you know, I also take about it. It's an example. It's kind of a cheesy example. Um, you know, the more you showcase and once again, I'm using this because it's a really clear example for me, you know, your work as an artist or you know, as a creator, when you showcase the stuff that you do, people connect with it. And, you know, like you can attract the kind of people who feel a similar way or who feel curiosity towards that or want to learn more about it. And I think that just shows that we truly in some way have control over what we are nourishing our lives with. And I think that it's so fair that if you're not feeling happy, currently in your life with your relationship your social circle that's okay and you're not alone because once again we're not really encouraged to think about that or to reflect that we have like I used to have no clue how to look at these things but I think that we can do it and through self-knowledge you know and asking ourselves taking time being a little bit more conscious checking in with ourselves consistently, writing down a little list of things, you know, having all those, you know, cute little rituals for yourself. That's how we can start seeing what really aligns with us and what really, what we feel a call for, you know? And I remember that the moment that I thought that I didn't have any inspiration around me was, I can very happily say that it was a very long time ago because when I started doing yeah, just like nourishing those areas of my life. You know, I was like, I want to see myself more as a creative person. I want to create things. I want to put things out there. The moment that I committed myself to do that is a moment that I just did not stop and have have not stopped at connecting with people who also are on the same path because they are um, putting their stuff out there and not just creatively, you know, but like you're putting things out and that's what you are attracting at the end of the day. So I think it is a very beautiful process to witness and experience because it's full of self-knowledge. It's full of learning about ourselves, about how people operate and about the environment. And it's just really beautiful. And it's also about asking yourself, what are you using your energy for? What are, where are you directing it? You know? I know that as we grow up and we become adults, functional adults, and we have more responsibilities, it sometimes feels like a luxury and a privilege being able to be like, oh, where am I actually, you know, what, where do I want to put my energy? You know, where am I putting my energy? Sometimes some people don't have the ideal circumstances to say that or to ask themselves that, but I think always to an extent we can grow out of relationships that drain us or we can slightly at least tweak our relationship with ourselves starting up from there. I think that's the biggest takeaway from all of this. I think that also great part of the relationships that we attract, either romantic or platonic friendship level, is a big reflection, greatly a reflection of the relationship that we have with ourselves and the relationship that we have established with our own 
being. And I think it's really important and it's it could be really just really tough accepting that we potentially might not have the we you know the best relate the healthiest of relationships with ourselves and it's always really tough and it sounds it's easier to say than it is to be done but I think this is when healing comes in and I think that this is when I believe that we can actually always start with small things and our inner world our inner let's say quote-unquote reality if there's something like reality that's when our inner world starts sorry (laughs) that's when our outer world starts mimicking our inner world you know and so I think that a great part of this is our inner climate and how we are feeding it what we are feeding it with how we are nourishing it and I promise you I just don't want to promise you. I want to encourage you to try this because at the end of the day, this is about how you feel. There's no, you know, radical truth. I think personally, I don't think there's a one and only method, a one and only solution, a one and only path or way. I think it's about what matters and works for you. But once again, I encourage to I encourage you to explore these ideas because it's something that has not just worked for me but it's something that I've talked and shared with others and I've seen that they just work you know and this is something that I'm very glad that I've learned in many forms from the wisdom of the east so I want to share some journaling prompts that might help you and if you have a second if you have a few minutes if you have some space and time for yourself while you're listening to this or after or even if you think about this but I think that putting it on paper is always the best thing because it's you know just in a more unfiltered and honest way just putting things into the world and discovering and all of that but it's also great to you know if you don't have access to that you can just think about that but These are some journaling prompts that I would love to share today that I think could really help you to have that conversation with yourself and hopefully get you to a place where you can either realize what you're doing that works for you and if there's something that doesn't work for you, you might be able to find another way that you might want to try or another alternative or, you know, an epiphany might come in. Who knows? So you can tweak these ones your own at your own like and they apply to either relationship romantic relationships or social settings friendships but this is how this goes what are the people around me slash in my circle passionate about This is a really tough one because sometimes we realize that we might not even be hanging out with people who are passionate. And if we are looking for a passion or if we are driven by passion or very passionate beings, this could be really tough. And this could be one of the reasons why you could be feeling like an outlier. This is my case in many, many, many situations that I've been in that I tend to be the passionate person and, you know, always acting from a place of passion and, you know, drive and I've realized through asking myself this question that 
sometimes I'm not surrounded by people who are necessarily passionate about something or driven by passion. So what are the people around me slash in my circle passionate about is a great way to start this conversation with yourself. Next we have, what do I admire about the people around me? How do they inspire me? In what ways do they inspire me? This could be in the form of a list. This could be in the form of a mind map, of drawings, of images in your mind. Whatever comes to mind first, it's fine. How did I meet X person? How did I meet X group? I think sometimes it doesn't really have a lot to do. Sometimes it's like fate and life, but sometimes it does have a lot to do. Um, Some of the most meaningful relationships that I've had or that I have at the moment have been, I've encountered them in places that have held passions that we have in common or specific places that have, that um, gravitate around certain values. So I think it's interesting even to look at that, even if it's not necessarily always the case. I think it's interesting to think of that. How did we meet or how did I meet this person? What were we traversing at that time? And by that, it's really weirdly phrased. I wrote that in definitely a place where, anyway, what were we traversing at that time? I think it's interesting looking at the eras where we probably met someone and then, you know, either we met them in like our best best times and then we are probably next going through something tough or more of a neutral space. You know, I think it's interesting looking at the moment in life where we meet someone or some people, some group, because that also, I think, speaks in some way. To an extent, I think that has something to do. This is a prompt. If you do not have that circle or that, let's say, network or relationship that you might be after, a nourishing, positive one, let's say. So it's kind of a little exercise of visualization. So what kind of people do I want to surround myself with? Very basic question, but once again, we need the very basic answer and you need to know it. (laughs) For a basic question, we need the basic answer and we need to know it by heart. This changes all the time. I, this is an amazing set of questions as well to have like as a regular check in because this changes all the time. But I think it's important knowing in all eras of our lives, just what we're looking after in people and or, you know, significant other. So what kind of people do I want to surround myself with? What do they do? You know, this goes back to my cases and like, oh, I would love to hang out with people who have like projects or da da da, like creative and all these things. So I was like, I would love to hang out with someone who, you know, I want to learn more about creative writing. I would love to hang out with someone who's published something, you know, like, and then you, you can kind of know the, the, um, the places that you can find these people at, you know, this goes on a very superficial level like that or on a deeper level as well. You know, you can answer this in any way you want. So what kind of people do I want to surround myself with? What do they do? What do I talk to them about? What kind of conversations do I have or do I want to have? Also, 
could be very confrontational, but very useful as well. So what do I talk to them about and what kind of conversations do I want to have with them? How do I want to be held by others? What does that feel like and look like? Okay, how does it feel like to be held by someone, by a space? You know, is that people listening to you? Is that having conversations? Is that having someone to do your hobbies with? Is that someone to, um, you know, whatever? How does that feel like and look like for you? Next, what attitudes do I admire in others? What attitudes? This is a really weird one. Okay. Yeah. I guess sort of like, yeah, what things do I, what aspects of someone's personality do I admire in others? I would say (laughs) just once again, wrote this in a moment of epiphany and I just kind of like wrote it as it seemed okay in my mind. So what, yeah, well, what attitudes or what personality traits do I admire in others? You know, what do you like about other people that you might want to have in a significant other, in a group, in a, in a friendship, in a group of friends? What is it that you like or that you admire, that you would even yourself want to have or learn from? Next, we have how can I feel seen and at the same time see and hold someone else? So by seen, I mean when... You feel understood by someone, you know, that you, you, you feel like someone is actually seeing you, you know, you feel like you are also seeing someone, you're also understanding them, you know, and by seeing, I think it's really interesting phrasing it this way because I was talking about the projection. So I think that when we see someone through the lens of our own projections, we're not really seeing them, you know, we're seeing like a costume, we're seeing different colors that are not even theirs. So I think that feeling seen, you know, or phrasing it as like being seen is 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 kind of like a handy way of keeping in mind that yeah, that we actually want are willing to see someone and to be seen by someone um without letting these projections come in the way of actually connecting with the true essence if there's something like that or we even can do that but I think asking ourselves how can I feel seen okay in what ways do you feel understood and in what ways do you feel like people have shown care for you in what ways do you feel people have shown interest in you understanding validation how does that feel like how 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 does that you know explain it how can you feel seen and at the same time how can you see someone, make someone else feel seen, understand, understood, and held? How can you hold space for someone? You know, this goes, this go. this is linked to like, how do you show love to someone? You know, like, are you more, you know, like, do you listen to someone? Do you like validating them by telling them or showing them with acts of service, of gifts, you know, like all these things of like love languages, which is another big conversation that I would love to talk to talk to talk about at some point but how does this operate you know be as specific as possible because once again this is the more honest and specific you are the better 
it is of an exercise. So how can I feel seen while at the same time I see and hold someone else? And once again, lastly, the two exercises that I always encourage people to do on our journaling sessions, which are the kind of um, the ones that we can kind of uh, easily bring into our routines of the daily without necessarily going too deep into questions, specific questions like these ones, the night login and the morning pages right? They could be tools that we could utilize and incorporate into our routine. Um, could be little rituals that we utilize as a way of checking in with ourselves, of establishing some sort of healthier relationship, um, nourishing a passion, nourishing something that makes us feel good. So yeah, night login, write down the things that you're proud of for accomplishing or think of the highlights of your day. Think think of the things that are coming straight into you um, when you're writing them. And the morning pages, literally stream of consciousness. First thing you do in the morning, if you have this time and the space, take your notebook, write them down as if no one was going to read them, not even yourself, and just put whatever's in your mind in there and you'll see what happens. This is all for today. I know it was a lot. I love that I was initially like, well, I'm really tired. I've worked all day. You know, it's a beautiful sunny day. I'm like really after chilling. And I really love having, I loved having this conversation. It was really special. And I really hope that it serves you in one way or another. I hope that it sparked some conversation with yourself. And if you think that this could be of use to someone else, please share. You know that we love seeing uh, people sharing the podcast. We once again have our Patreon for support. And yeah, follow me on Instagram at Amora Podcast at Bimbarella. <laughs> I love saying that in English. And um, yeah, send me your favorite journaling prompts, photos of your dogs, recipes, poems, anything you like. I always love hearing back from you. So thank you so much for connecting today. Thank you so much for listening. And I will see you on the next episode. Have an amazing, gorgeous week, evening, morning, afternoon. Have an amazing day. Talk to you soon.